Welcome. This is the Business of Vulnerability, the podcast that shares the wonderful work that individuals, organizations, and communities are doing around the world to try and help those who are most vulnerable. Welcome to the Business of Vulnerability podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Brian Ware. Brian is the founder of the Crayon Initiative. Uh, I think I got that right, Brian. Is that right? That's correct. Awesome. Well, Brian, thanks so much for for joining us and coming and share the wonderful work that you're doing. Appreciate having me on. Yeah. I So for, for those that don't know, uh, can you explain a little bit of what the Crayon Initiative is? Sure. We're, Crayon Initiative is a 501c3 nonprofit that takes used and unwanted crayons. We recycle them, melt them down, make new ones that we then donate to children's hospitals. We're in 250 pediatric children's hospitals across the U.S. Wow. How did, how did this idea come about? Like what, what was the impetus for the idea of melting down crayons and making new ones to share in hospitals? Sure. The original piece of it was about um, just giving back to art. Art was important to me growing up and it kind of kept me in school. So I wanted to make sure that um, people had art supplies. Uh, I ended up marrying a school teacher. And so we had a conversation about at the beginning of school year back in 2011 about what's getting cut from this school year that's going to cost us to basically for you to become a teacher be a teacher Um, and art was cut from the california state budget at in 2011 which to me was a problem because that's kind of what kept me in school um like i said so why that night did this conversation figure out what we could do i don't know my kids were five and seven at that point in time so we had definitely colored with plenty of crayons at a restaurant. Um, But I just asked the waitress what they did with the crayons at the end. And they basically said, we threw them all away every time that, you know, even if they're unwrapped pretty much, because we don't know what touched it or how, what was, you know, affected by these crayons that somebody else could get sick by later on. So they get dumped. And that was kind of the spark of figuring out what we could do with these resources. Wow. You know, I, I just took a road trip uh, to Yellowstone and we stopped a few times with kids. And it's interesting because my kids are basically that exact age, right? That five and seven. And it is interesting how much those crayons are a lifesaver in the, in kind of the, 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 uh, those restaurants. And I imagine it's, it's somewhat true in the hospital setting as well. Like, how did you decide to use them in hospitals? And, and what are the benefits of have getting kids the ability to color and be kind of artistic while going through some of these issues? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, obviously from the last story that the object was in hospitals. I mean, both my kids were preemies, but didn't really have beyond that any hospital stays to understand what the life of that child is um, dealing with there. And a friend of mine worked as a child life specialist at UCSF Children's Hospital. And when we were bouncing the idea back and forth, because like I mentioned, it was 2011, life gets in the way other things get in the way so around 2013 she's like hey you're gonna do this i'm like thinking about it but i really don't want to get into schools writing grants for crayons and like trying to figure out and having to read like that just seemed like a lot of work um not that that's a bad thing but for what it was i didn't want to create this whole infrastructure to have to read and do those type things she goes well what about hospitals i said i don't know tell me about these hospitals. And basically uh, the child life department, which is everything that makes the child's life as normal as possible. Everything from the schooling, the art supplies, the crafts, 
to hospital or doctor comes in, speaks doctor, freaks out the patient, freaks out the parents. They stay there as long as it takes to kind of dumb down or simplify what the process is and what's going on. So they have a wide range of duties. The problem is the hospitals can't bill for their services. So most hospitals say, here's a stipend, love what you do, need to have you, but you go figure it out. So all the art supplies that they need, they have to raise money for and figure out Mm -hmm. how to get these supplies for the kids. So I was like, okay, that's great. Good story. Let me go ask another hospital. And I asked another hospital, another hospital, another hospital, and got literally verbatim the exact same problem or story from each children's hospital. So I was like, okay, we're on to something here. We can help these sick kids. So long story short, um, we basically partnered with hospitals and started to roll it out um, regionally. And then all of California and then maybe California and Arizona and these other kind of West coast things. And it kind of grew fast enough that I was like, let's just roll it out. So we rolled it out to what they call children's hospital association or CHA hospitals, which are kind of the larger freestanding has a big name on the building type hospitals. Um, and we're in all of them with across the U S. Wow. How many hospitals is that that you're in there? Uh, in the directory, there's something like 260 or so. We're in 248 on a regular basis, 250 on a regular basis. Wow. There's some uh, children's CHA hospitals that, um, you know, they're for uh, NICUs. They specialize in, you know, preemie babies and that type of stuff. So they didn't want the crayons. Um, we had reached sure, out to all sense. of them, but so there's about 10 to 15 hospitals out of it that basically is like, we don't want them. We can't use them. It's too many, you know, pass, yep. go to the next hospital. But like I said, there's about 248, 250 out of the 260 something that uh, we give wow. to on a regular basis. That's really cool. And then do you, do you happen to have any statistics on how many crayons that you're actually getting or, or, or I guess re remaking? Yeah. So we've collected um, about, uh, I want to say about 320,000 pounds worth of crayons. We've given wow. out about um, almost 600,000 packs of crayons. Uh, in the next month, we'll pass the 600,000 packs of crayons our packs are eight crayons per box and every child gets their own so it's growing pretty rapidly yeah that's amazing um uh, you you're saying the process is you get old ones and then melt them down and make new ones how how does that work did you have to find somebody that is there is there like a, a company out there that that's what they do like that's no kind of a weird challenge <laughs> Yeah, so basically we did, um, you got the crayons in and then we have to get them sorted. So we used to do pre-COVID large team building events at corporations that would help us Mm. sort the crayons down. Um, That's where a lot of our funding came from were these team building events. So once they are sorted, I now have buckets of all red crayons or boxes of all red crayons. And originally it was, uh, my background is in manufacturing, mostly on the food. So I took a lot of that knowledge base and various equipment that I had seen in hundreds of factories and go, well, if we took a piece of that and a piece of that, and maybe if we kind of <laughs> jerry-rigged this, we could figure out how we could make this work. Um, so it literally started in the oven and kind of like a, you know, a turkey tin thing, a big 
nine by 13 melting it because our big issue is, which is different than a quote crane manufacturer is a quote, you know, basic original crane manufacturer starts with blocks of wax. There's no paper, there's no nothing. It's just solid material, stick it into a hopper, melt it, blend it and, you know, mold it. Ours, we have to get all the papers off and we cut them off at the beginning. We peeled them and realized very quickly on scale, this was never going to work. So by putting it in these tins, we kind of had the wax ooze out of the paper. And then we poured it into jars, kind of like canning jars or, um, and then stored that. And then we remelted that down, put them in little molds. And then from there we went into, well, what happens if we do it on a pot now and see what happens there? And so that worked. And I was like, well, what about if we just throw it all in there and strain it out after the fact? So we did that um, and grew that way. T today we have basically proprietary oven systems that we um, designed and manufactured and there's big baskets that hot air blows through. So the paper stays in that basket, the wax drips through the basket down to the bottom. And then we take it out from there and put them into the molds. Wow, that's amazing. Um, what are you doing now? Now that, Well, hopefully things are getting a little bit back to normal. Well, theoretically, um, <laughs> but, but during COVID, how did you handle not being able to have like the group activities for the sorting and all those type of things? So we ended up, COVID, COVID was definitely a, you know, we had 2020 basically booked for the entire year. Um, 30, 40 of these team building events throughout the year that halted. Um, as many of us were like, eh, you know, give it a month. How long can this possibly last? Like, let's give it a month. It'll yep. come back. Let's just let it ride for a little bit. So we let it ride for a couple months. And then over that time, we would be getting more and more calls from our local volunteers saying, um, I got to get something for my kids to do. You have anything we can do at home? Like, well, I need an activity. Um, and uh, I think we'll be open soon. I, I think we're going to pause. Uh, so about two months, three months later, we started rolling into summer. And I was like, you know what? We have this huge warehouse full of unsorted crayons. Let's just see what happens if we let people do a drive-by, pick up a box. And we had lines around the building. We had queues of 100 cars just waiting to pick this up. It's like, okay, let's go another two weeks and have them drop off. Can we take more? I guess so, sure. So we literally, for three months, every other week, just had pick-up, drop-off, pick-up, drop-off. And like I said, every week is 100-plus cars just waiting to do this. So we sorted pretty much our entire warehouse. Um, we had a couple pods of four to five people that regularly work together, do melting. So they would melt um, one day a week and we became pretty efficient at that. So we had two pods melting one day a week and allowed us to keep shipping even through COVID. Um, surprisingly the hospital, you know, and it was one of those type things that, well, maybe the hospital, I don't know what the hospitals are going to say during COVID is this fear of like, we're going to ship in something and they knew what our process is and know how we basically sanitize the wax by how the hot, the high heat that we're melting them at. Um, they're like, no, we need more. 
how fast can you make them? I'm like, I'm trying. That's, we're we're kind of <laughs> limited here. The state shut down if you hadn't heard. Um, so it was a good feeling that we could supply these to them as fast as we could make them pretty much. Wow. That is uh, amazing. And, and are, are things, as things opening up, are you, are you going to start doing more of the corporate events again? Or are you going to stick more to like that community kind of drive by drop off? Or is it going to be a mix? How's that going to evolve there? It's a good question. And we're kind of honestly still working it out. Um, the corporate events in the last four to six weeks, we're starting to get calls. Most of them, by the time the end of the conversation happens, go, I don't think it's going to be this year. It's probably a 2022 type activity. And so I think in 2022, we'll start seeing these corporate events come back to some form. I don't know if it'll be as busy. Um, the other piece of that is corporations themselves are starting to see, hey, this worked for a year and a half. People working from home. Maybe we don't need everybody in the office and these massive office buildings and all this other stuff. Yep. So, you know, is it going to be smaller groups at these corporate events? Is it going to be multiple day events as people rotate through the building? I don't know. That's yet to be seen. Um, we are definitely keeping the community side of the sorting at this point in time. Uh, we, we also learned ourselves that we became very efficient at the manufacturing side. We used to have 500 people through our facility a month helping melt down crayons and everything, which was very useful. Uh, but it, we, we've learned, try to see how we say this, we've learned to be very efficient given COVID. And so by having very dedicated people that are there for four to five hours a day that know exactly what they're doing, we can actually make more crayons. So we were always part of that community. And so I don't want to take that away. And I think we'll just continue with on the weekends, having like family days at the facility. That's really not about production. It's really about the community coming in. We're definitely going to keep continuing with a sorted home concept um, to keep that community engaged. And as things are starting to open up, we're trying to do fundraisers and that type of stuff with the community events. Uh, we have a big barbecue and concert event coming up. We have our golf tournament. We had a memorial bike ride back in May. So these types of things that we can still get the community involved. Mm -hmm. So what's the, what's the future look like, right? Like you're, you're trying to make these as quickly as you can. Obviously hospitals are, are where you're at now. Do you have a plan of, of going into other areas? Uh, like, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's the future of the, the Korean initiative and, and what, what would you like it to be? Yeah, I think the future right now, the short-term future has to do with being able to supply these CHA hospitals with as many crayons as they need. Um, I would say that we're about 25 to 30% of their need at current level. So we have some growth to do there. I believe that the second piece of that would be to get involved with the Ronald McDonald houses or the target houses that are kind of the secondary, as you peel the onion, so to speak, right? The next, layer out on those hospitals because our crayons also go to siblings that are at the hospital, you know, to keep the brother, sister occupied. Um, so by having that family connection at the Ronald McDonald houses, target houses, those type things, 
I think is the next level. And then the longer term or overarching of all this, we have found that art therapy is very important for these kids. It gives them, I mean, that's really why we're doing what we're doing. It gives them an escape. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned earlier about the doctor coming in and speaking doctor and freaking out these kids. A lot of the kids go mute, basically. They don't want to talk. They're scared of exactly what's going on. They don't know how to talk to an adult about this. So they use the crayons to tell their story or to tell their feelings. So we want to make sure that we start doing other art therapy type pieces around the crayons, you know, whether it's coloring books or activity books or arts and crafts or putting a whole program together. There's a lot of things in my head. Um, I'm not sure exactly where it's going yet, but as I bounce the ideas off the hospitals, all of the ideas are sure, yes, absolutely. How do we do this? So long-term, I'd like to become a full engaged um, arts and crafts and therapy to these kids to give them that release and that outlet and way to express themselves. Awesome. So I guess my, my last question is, how can people listening to this podcast help? Like, what are things we can do uh, to try and move this forward? Do you need more crayons? Do you need money? Do you need time? What, what, what is the, the most beneficial thing that we can do to help you, uh, you know, move your mission forward? Sure. Uh, right now, um, the biggest mission, COVID gave us a big hit from the financial side, and we have to find funding. Uh, we know that, I know that whenever an article, whether it's a podcast or article, print article or news article or whatever comes out, we get an influx of crayons, which is great. And I don't want people to stop sending crayons. But the reality is, is people aren't grasping that, hey, we have to keep the lights on. It takes energy, you know, electricity. It takes all these things to melt the crayons. Um, we don't charge the hospitals a dime. So it costs us money to ship these crayons and crayons are heavy to ship. So even though that we have shipping discounts and all these other things, we have a lot of expenses that go into these processes and shipments to the hospital. So long, you know, we got to get to the point of we need a lot more financial donations to help us continue to grow with our mission. Makes sense. What's the easiest way for someone to do a financial donation? Is there a donation button on the website? Like walk us through that process. Absolutely. There's a donation button on the website, uh, the craninitiative.org and top right corner, it's the give button. Go ahead and click on that. Also, there's a drop down menu that says give and there's give money or give monetary or something like that in the menu bar that you can go to and you can, we try to make it as easy as possible too for things like stock donations. People don't realize that how easy that is and how the tax benefits mm -hmm. benefit the donor. So, there's lots of different ways that you can donate through the website, peer-to-peer um, -peer funding, you know, get a team together or you reach out to your family and your network and say, hey, I have a goal of raising $500. All I need is $10 from all of you. Can you put that into my team building pot here so I can give back to the Crane Initiative? So basically, the, we're trying to make it as easy as possible, but the financial donations are what's critical right now to help us bridge the hit that COVID gave us from the financial side. Well, Brian, we appreciate the work that you're doing. And, and I, I hope anybody that's listening to this will take some time to go look at your website. Uh, can you share us the, the domain just so we know the easiest way to get the website? Thecrayoninitiative.org. Okay, thecrayoninitiative.org. 
um, I encourage people to go and, and donate freely with what, you know, if, if nothing else, uh, share the message with other people because it's definitely a worthwhile thing. Um, but thank you for coming on and sharing and thank you for the work that you're doing. You know, as a, I luckily have been able to avoid children's hospitals for my own kids, but I've been there for others. Um, and you know, they're doing amazing work, but I've, I've seen that, uh, for lack of a better word, fear in, in children's eyes while they're, they're in there, right? There's never a good experience. And so um, I'm grateful for, you know, the work that you guys are doing to try and make uh, a hard time just a little bit better. Um, I so appreciate Thank that. you from all of us um, and, and good luck. And, and let us know if there's anything else we can do to help. Thank you for listening to The Business of Vulnerability. If you or someone you know would be a wonderful guest for our next recording, please let us know at Team Pulse. It's T-E-A-M-P-U-L-S-E at pulseforgood.com. Thank you.